Welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night program with special guests. We have with us Reb Arya Walbish Shlita. How are you? How are you doing? How's everything? All the way from Houston, Texas. Yeah. The grandson of the renowned Rabbi Shlomo Walby. And uh, we're going to be speaking about how we always have to grow, never stop growing. And if you could give us a little bit of background before we jump into the topic. So firstly, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to be here in the great, great Chazak Center in, in Queens. Uh, seen you so much online and all of your, all of your incredible work, so keep it up. And thanks well, to the so. rabbi, we're going to visit him being more online and the amazing work you do with Torch, and I'm sure you'll tell us a little bit about that. So I, I was born in Yerushalayim and uh, raised in New York. When I was three years old, my parents decided that it was best for our uh, upbringing that we be in New York. Uh, many stories about that, but we can get that offline. And uh, I was uh, in a Hasidic Sheheder, uh, and I would say Hasidish, it was Stalin, Carlin Stalin in Borough Park. And uh, when I was 10 years old, we moved to Muncie. And when I was 15 years old, I was learning actually one year of high school in Muir in Brooklyn. Nice. And I suddenly had a, a, a jealousy moment of my brothers. My older brothers were already in Eretz Yisrael. And I was like, it's crazy. They're so close to my grandfather. Uh. And I'm sitting here playing basketball all day. <laughs> and I said, it's not, it's not, uh, not fair. It's not, yeah, it's, it's just like, I don't know how many years my grandfather has to live. He's getting older. He was 80 years old at the time. I said, I have to go. I called my father and I told my father, um, I think next year I want to go to Eretz Yisrael. He says, listen, as long as you're in a, in a yeshiva, you know, I, I think it was more like, I told him I'm not going to secular studies next year because I want to learn more. He says, listen, if you're in a yeshiva that has secular studies, you're going to secular studies. I said, fine, so I'm going to Israel. <laughs> so, I, I, so I called my, my grandfather. My father was not going to help me with it. He says, if you can arrange it yourself, go, please, be my guest. So I called my grandfather. I said, Saba, listen, I want to come to learn in Eretz Israel. Can you find a yeshiva for me? So he says, call me in two weeks. I'm going to ask around some of my Talmidim and see if anybody has a yeshiva, a suitable yeshiva. So... I, uh, two weeks later, I called my grandfather. He says, okay, I have a Talmud who has a yeshiva, Oral Chonon, which is the yeshiva Ktana in Givachol, not far from my grandfather's house. He says, I think it'll be a good place for you. I said, great. I made arrangements. At the end of the year, I pack my bags and I go. I fly wow. myself there. It's a strong. And um, 15 years old. 15 years old. And I get to my grandfather's house and... He says, okay, you know, we arranged a, an interview with the, with the Rosh Hashiva and the Mashgiach of the Yeshiva. And uh, I'm an American. I, I hardly speak Hebrew. I mean, I speak a little bit. My father's Israeli. And my mother speaks of a perfect Hebrew. We spoke a lot of Hebrew in the house, but not enough to like I speak about it, I must speak. Yeah. I speak, but <laughs> not, not enough. <laughs> exactly. So it's, uh, so I, they said, of course, I could come to the Yeshiva. And it was a... Very, very, very challenging two years. Oh, wow. And extremely, I'm talking about, I was going from regular high school boy in Brooklyn to the Ivy League of yeshivas, yeshivatanas in Israel. Orohan is like one of the top two, three yeshivatanas in all of Israel. Wow. These guys were, I remember sitting and seeing the young Bachram. I was 15 when I got there. The guys weren't yet bar mitzvah, who were learning like shas, wow. going through daf after another daf after. <laughs> I couldn't read the words. 
And it was really a, a critical moment for me, that whole Tkufa that I was there, that whole period of time that I was there, because it made me desire even more to learn and to grow and to connect. I remember, I can't even tell you how many times I was crying, saying, Hashem, well, I want us to learn your Torah. Just teach me how to learn so I can learn. I want to know how to read a Gemara. I want to know how to, you know, these guys were reading it like a New York Times. They were just like, you know, <laughs> zipping through every, every block Gemara, every page of Gemara. And for me, it was like I'm breaking my teeth just reading the words. So it was really transformational. I didn't know this, but my parents at the time were so worried about me. Oh, wow. They were afraid that I was going to drop out and go to the army. They were like, they were like ready to catch me when I fell. But I was determined. I was really determined. I was going to fight to succeed. And Baruch Hashem, it was very, very, very transformative. Uh, from there, I was recruited. Before I even finished Yeshiva Tana, which is the, uh, the Masifta equivalent, high the high school equivalent in, in America, I was recruited by who became my Rebbe, uh, Rev. Beryl Eisenstein, Zechat Tzadik Levracha. It was Pesach Ben Azmanen. It was that break of Pesach time. And he called me up. He says, I heard that you're looking for yeshiva for when you go, you know, at the end of the third year of, of you know, for a yeshiva gdola, which is the, already the higher, you know, I would say the equivalent of first year college, right? But right. so he says, I heard you're looking for yeshiva. I want to meet with you. Mm. So I met with him and he was just starting a new yeshiva that that's man. And he says, I want you in my yeshiva. I met with him and... I had to go to the other yeshiva and tell them that I wasn't coming back after Pesach. Mm. And I basically skipped, you know, those three months of the first year and was already in, in, the, in the yeshiva. And it, I built a very, very, very close relationship with her, Beryl Eisenstein, Zechat Tzadik Lebracha. Plus memory. And he was, a, he was a big Talmud of the Mir. He, he wrote many of Reb Nachum's uh, writings in the Chidush Reb Nachum. And what was really amazing is that throughout my life till my wife and I were married a year, year and a half when he was Nifter, he guided me every day. Wow. I learned with him Chavrusa every morning as a study partner every morning after Shachras, I'd sit with him and we would learn together. I'm guessing you dormed as opposed to being by your grandparents. Oh yeah, so at that point I already dormed, dormed in the yeshiva. But before that you were by your grandparents? Yes, I was by my grandparents every day. I would eat breakfast many times, lunch many times, many times, wow. dinner with my grandparents. I was very, very close with my grandfather and utilized the opportunity to ask him questions and to listen a lot, mm-hmm. to listen to what he was telling people, what he was guiding people. The questions people would come with, obviously, were private questions, but sometimes people would come to the kitchen and my grandparents, you know, when they were waiting, they would talk to me and ask me, you know, this is what I'm going to be asking your grandfather. What do you think he's going to say? You know, it's, it's so, wow. so I got to see a lot and, and to see how my grandfather conducted himself with people was just like was such royalty yeah. and such a such a simplicity there was no he didn't have all these gabayim yeah. and all these like assistants and it was my grandfather and my grandmother and any of the grandchildren that were there if it was me i was the lucky one to open the door for people my grandfather you know greeted every person with a smile with a i remember there was multiple times that fathers would come with their bar mitzvah boy the day of their bar mitzvah to get a bracha bracha <laughs> so I have to remember where I'm at. <laughs> so they'd come and you know, say, you know, is bar mitzvah today? Can you give him a bracha? So my grandfather would look at the bar mitzvah boy lovingly and say, what do you want a, a bracha for? 
So you say, I want to be a big Talmud Chacham. He says, you want to be a big Talmud Chacham? Sit and learn. You'll be a big Talmud Chacham. No bracha. You, learn, you need a bracha for that. You just go sit and learn. You know, you it's have like, to shvit. You have to sweat. You have yeah, to work. Yeah, you have to work hard. Many you know, don't want to give bracha. So, you know, so, what? Many don't will not give brachot blessings for with regards to becoming, a, uh, you know, in uh, learning. And gedolim uh, is, you have to work. For sweat and tears. Sweat and there's no shortcuts. Yeah, no, no shortcuts. shortcuts. Exactly. So it was it was an amazing thing to grow with my grow up with my grandfather. Many times I would walk with him because he would give a schmooz, a a, a lecture, a, a musr schmooz, schmooz, known for the musr right? and for the in, in yeshiva kultura in Beit Vagan. Right after Shabbos, he needed a microphone. So right after Shabbos, he would walk before the end of Shabbos to Beit Vagan, which was a long walk from Gevachol to Beit Vagan, and I would walk with him many times. Man. And it was it was a special time to walk with my grandfather, you know, holding his hand. And uh, and walking all the way to to bite to bite was very very special. I was telling you about my Rebbe, right? So very very interesting. He lived in Sorotsk, and I lived in Panimirot. When my wife and I got married, we lived in Panimirot, which is the same road, really, just changes names along the way. And one Friday night, I was walking with my brother after the suuda, after the meal. And I was passing by my Rebbe's house. So I said, you know, I know he's not feeling well. I was visiting him, you know, many times. I said, let's just go and say good Shabbos. Right. So I go in, and he's there slumped over his Gemara. I can see he's really not doing well. So I said, Rebbe, how are you doing? How are you feeling? See, so he says to me, and he had, a, he had an amazing memory, but I knew that things weren't well when he didn't remember things. Wow. And he says to me, where are you learning now? So I said, I'm learning where Yitzhak Berkowitz in the, in the Kailu, in the Jerusalem column. So he says to me, he's a Yashar. Make him your Rebbe. I said, Rebbe, are you going someplace? Like, what's going on? He says, he's a Yashar. Make him your Rebbe. Wow. Three days later, it was Nefta. Wow. And it was from the Leviah. And it was the most shocking moment for me. It's like when I came home, my wife told me that she heard the announcements in the streets. I was like, I, I was like, I couldn't believe it. It's like, this can't happen. And I went straight from the Levi. I went back to my my new Rebbe, Rebbe Yitzhak Berkowitz, and I told him, like, you know, the torch has been passed. Correct. And, yeah. And uh, and I'm like, Shalom Aleichem Rebbe. Wow. And I said, I had a lot of private time with my Rebbe over the years. I need to have private time so that you get to know me and I get to know you and we can work on and I had a lot of time that he wow. dedicated that I drove him nuts for it <laughs> I'd sit outside his office like you know many many times a day he'd come out and like does Rebbe have a few minutes now like, does Rebbe have a few minutes till eventually I got my own slots of uh, you know several hours a week that I was able to learn Chabrusa unbelievable and we built a very very close personal relationship and today Baruch Hashem now 20 years later Still on a regular basis, reaching out to my Rebbe and learning with him, and uh, hoping to be able to convey his messages to the world. And what is good? What I'm married. To, uh, very inspiring. And today, I want to also let the world know about the work that you're doing, where you live. Uh, so I Baruch Hashem, in, in, in 2005, I moved from. I was in Bridgeport, Connecticut. After I left the Kolel, I moved in 2004. I moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut. I was there for less than a year. It was a great experience. But then a, a new opportunity came up in Houston, and I ran to Houston, and it was a, a, a love at first sight for my <laughs> wife and I, and the community, and the opportunities there were just remarkable. And Baruch Hashem, now it's 18 years later, 
and uh, we love every second of it. Baruch Hashem, six of our children were born in, in wow. Texas, and they're very proud Texans. <laughs> uh, but Baruch Hashem, there's an enormous, enormous growth in the community, and uh, we feel very privileged to have been able to assist in some of that growth. Uh, Baruch Hashem, this year we were fortunate to open up our first major branch in Dallas. So now we have Torch in Houston and Torch in Dallas. And soon, Bezat Hashem, we'll have the privilege to open up in Austin and in San Antonio as well. Uh, but it's it, the idea is like this. We have a responsibility. I feel this personally. I had my own personal story of a miracle that Hashem, trend, you know, that transpired in my life where I felt that the only reason Hashem gave me life was to help his children connect that. I mean, wow. And I feel that is like an opportunity. If someone came to me tomorrow and said, and I've had such opportunities where someone said, you know what, you come into my business, a, a minimum million dollar salary annually. You know, it's the, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't talk to me like one iota. No. It, it just doesn't talk to me. It's not what I'm here for. You know, it's like you start talking to a farmer about computers. They're like, what, what do you want? It's like, what, it's, what it's, not, it's, not, it's not my language. Yeah. So Baruch Hashem, you know, it's not, it, that doesn't mean that money is easy. Right. <laughs> we all have our struggles. Baruch Hashem, we're thankful for it. But it's not, that's not, my, that's not my, my goal. It's not my desire. My desire is to bring as many of Hashem's children, primarily one, myself, closer to him. Mm. And if I can, in the process, to help others, others is that's that's the the greatest uh, merit in the world. So this is exactly what I do with these Torah talks. I do it for myself. I, I listen and I connect with all these amazing rabbim and rabbanim and gedolim and speakers and educators. And Derek Hagav, the whole world, <laughs> yeah, you know, as a side. But so, Rabbi, jumping into our topic of never stop growing, we are in the month of Elul, and uh, we all know it's a very auspicious time. And there's uh, I mean how a custom for many that they build the shofar every single day. And we know shofar comes from the word shapir, which means to become better or to grow. And uh, how, does it, how does one do it? And what makes this time very special? So, interestingly, many people have a fear from Elul. Yeah. And they're like a trepidation. The honest old olden days, at least. Right. And they, 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 they say that in yes. Panovich, that when they would even just announce the Rosh Chodesh Elul, the, the chazan would faint. Yeah. It was like just such trepidation. The truth is like this. It's called the Yamim Nuraim, the high, like holy, days. high holy days. It's unbelievable days. And I think the whole concept of Yir'ah, fear. Yir'ah means fear, but I don't think that that's really what it means. If you look into it, the word Yir'ah is the same word as Yira'eh, to look, to see, to comprehend, to understand, to put things into perspective. And I think the Yamim Nuraim is days of putting things into perspective. Recognizing on Rosh Hashanah, we sit at Hashem's boardroom table. It's just us and Hashem. We don't have any emissaries. We don't have any ambassadors, any representatives, any attorneys. It's just us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the creator of heaven and earth. I say, Hashem, give me another year. Hashem's like, why should I give you another year? Because this year is going to be the greatest year ever. (laughs) Because I realize through Rosh Hashanah, which is all it is, is Lahamlich is to make God the king of the universe. That means not only of the universe, of me, my world. I want to make Hashem king. That you are my king. If we're able to have Rosh Hashanah, that indeed 
I feel, Hashem, you are my king. Ah, now it's a different relationship. Hashem, this year I'm not going to get carried away with all the nonsense, with all the distractions. I realize you're my king. And I'll prove it to you. I have 10 days now to show you. I come to Yom Kippur. Hopefully, the 10 days of, of atonement and repentance are days where we transform the way we are. And you know what? It's a schut that we're now right before, at the beginning of Elul, where it's a journey of 40 days from the beginning of Elul to Yom Kippur. And we know 40 is a powerful number. 40 is the number of becoming a new creation. Hmm. We have the opportunity from the beginning of Elul till Yom Kippur to demonstrate how we are a new person. We're not the same person we were. We come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you say, Hashem, you know why give me a new year? The guy last year, that's not me. I'm a new guy now. I'm a new Arya Walby. Ah. I'm a new person. Give me, because I'm showing you how I'm making that change. And then comes Sukkot. What is Sukkot? It's, it's, it's so odd that we have a packed month of holidays. Yeah. It's like spread them out a little bit, you know? It's very simple. They're all one holiday. They're all one demonstration of to make God king of the, of the universe. Because what do we do? How did we get sidetracked? And how did we get carried away during last year? I got too comfortable. It was materialism. It was a lot of luxuries. They were living in America. It's like, you know, I was just in Lakewood. It was like, it's unreal, the luxuries and the, and the gashmiut and the materialism. It's, 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 it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge because, like the Ramchal says in Misilat Yisharim, they are, it's a sliding scale. If you want to grow in your ruchaniyut, your gashmiyut, your materialism. If you want to grow spiritually, your materialism is going to have to be declined. If you want to grow materialistically, your spiritual, it, they, they don't go. You can't, this concept of like, I'm also going to be extremely wealthy with my mansion and my, and my yacht and also be the, the Rosh Hashiva and, mm-hmm. and spiritual leader. It doesn't work. In the reality of this world, Ramchal says it doesn't work. It's one or the other. And everyone comes at an expense. My grandfather once said, I heard him say this from a Berucham Zatam, his Rebbe, the Mir Mashgiach. And he said that he once walked into someone's house and he saw beautiful drapes on the wall. He said, you know these drapes? These drapes cost you Ruchnius. Ah. I was like, come on, every house has drapes. (laughs) These drapes cost you Ruchnius. So that's why we leave our homes for Sukkot. Uh. We leave our homes. We say, Hashem, before I go back into my comforts, I'm stepping out a little. Taking seven days to recognize we shake our lulav in all directions, recognizing you're everywhere. Trying to ingrain it into our consciousness through these, this whole Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Sukkot. When I'm done with all of that, then I can dance with the Torah. I can make it. And what do we do? We show what's the center of what we dance. It's not money. We don't dance in front of our devices. We don't dance. Mm-hmm. We dance in front of the Torah. Sure. We say that is the essence of it all. Then we go into our long winter months. Amazing. And this, this year is going to be a, uh, a Shana Mubarat. It's, going to be, it's, it's an unbelievable journey that we're, we're in. Also, one of the things that's beautiful about the Shofar is that the Halacha says that the Shofar always has to be facing up. You can't blow the shofar down. And I think it's symbolic, just in the way it looks, that we always have to be facing up. Ah. 
We always, always have to be recognizing on a very personal level. I think, you know, my grandfather was a very realistic person. And one of the things that he always taught was to have a direct relationship with the Almighty. You don't, we, don't have MS, we don't have conduits. We don't have, you know, people through which we communicate to Hashem. We don't daven to people who passed away. We go to Kivret Tzadikim. We ask them to be a representative on our behalf. But we don't pray to them. Right. We talk directly to Kadosh. Direct Bar- connection. We talk Number direct. One. Every person. We don't have an intermediary. We talk direct to Hashem. And I think the number one thing that we need in our generation is a direct relationship with Hashem. I think the only reason people have anxiety and people have stress in their lives, and we see this, you're a rabbi, I'm sure you get all these questions all the time. Rabbi, how do I deal with anxiety? How do I deal with my stress? I'm so stressed out. I'm so anxious. All the time, especially in our generation. Hashem li lo ira. If I know that Hashem is there, I have nothing to worry about. Oh, I have payroll tomorrow. How am I going to meet my payroll? Hashem, how am I going to meet my payroll? It's your job. I'm here to do your service. I want you to know, Rabbi Chazak started when I was 15, and I was very stressed out. And my baby said, everything okay? I'm like, no, I'm stressed out. He's like, who's in charge? I'm like, I am with a big smile. He's like, that's your issue. Let Hashem be in charge. Everything's fine. And I took that and implemented it. Baruch Hashem. Yishtabach Shemun Ad. It's the best feeling in the world. And I want to also add to what the rabbi was saying about the shofar upwards, is that the bottom part is small. The higher part is big. To tell us down here, small. It comes to the spiritual things up there, think big. Do a lot of Torah, do a lot of mitzvot. Never stop growing like the rabbi is saying. It's, it's, I love these days. It's, such a, it's days of opportunity. It's days of a fresh new beginning. You know, we, we're white. I was, I was thinking, we have, it says, the Gemara says that there were no days of joy for Kali Yisrael, like Tuba'av, that we just passed, right. and, Yom and Yom Kippur. What does one have to do with the other? I understand Tuba'av. Tuba'av, I understand, yeah. It's like, okay, they were dancing, they got married, okay. What's, what's Yom Kippur? It's an unbelievable thing. I feel, I, I understand, if I understand this correctly, the Gemara says that someone who takes upon themselves responsibility, like someone who gets married, they're forgiven for all of their sins. Someone who becomes a governor, a mayor, a president, the day they become uh, take office, they're forgiven all the sins. Same with Yom Kippur. What would the girls dancing with? White. Like Yom Kippur. Why? They're clean of all sins. Mm. When you're ready to take upon yourself responsibility, you're forgiven of all your sins. What do we say on Yom Kippur? We're saying we're taking accountability. Last year I made mistakes, but I'm owning up to them. Next year it's going to be different. It's a clean slate. So over there it's getting married to the men. Over here it's getting married We're saying we're, we're ready to commit ourselves we're ready to commit ourselves to our relationship with Hashem. Amazing, Rabbi. We will be powerful stuff. Very, very inspiring. And we were touching upon how uh, during this time and such an auspicious time, such an amazing time, many people are getting closer to Hashem. Hashem gets closer to us. The king's in the field. And um, there's a saying that, that everybody knows that between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, like the rabbi pointed to, uh, it's a service made true during 10 days of repentance, and we increase in our Torah, mitzvot demasim to him. But I heard something cute once, which is uh, that not only should you get close from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, but more importantly, get close from Yom Kippur to Rosh Hashanah, which is not three, uh, uh, not 10 days, but 364 days. No, 354 days. Just minus 10. <laughs> but... Uh, Many people during this season, high holy days, they're on a high. But when it's over, it's a little bit shvach, it's a little bit weak. 
what chizuk, what inspiration can we give to them to keep that inspiration, never stop, you know, growing always. So I, I think like this, I, th- I think the first step in all of our growth is to recognize our relationship with God, our relationship with Hashem. And for it to be real, not to be platitudes, not to be, you know, big words and like, God is in a seven-syllable word. Right. Okay? It, it's, it's very simple. Make it real. Real. Your relationship with Hashem. It's special. It's unique. Yeah, it could be that you had issues with your Rebbe in school. And it could be you had issues with your teacher, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family. Yeah, everything is circumstances. You have to have your own personal relationship with God. And know that Hashem wants your closeness more than you want anything in this world. Mm. But to always remember, notwithstanding that, to take small steps. I think the biggest casualty of spiritual growth is when people try to jump. People try to jump. It's a, you know, Adam in So the Vilna Gaon says, unbelievable, he says, Ivelet is the stupidity of mankind. He tries to jump. And then he cries to Hashem, why did you make me fall? He says, there's no need to jump. Take a small step. One small step. My grandfather says to take one thing on yourself between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. One, one. thing. What's that one thing? It's amazing. That when you say, Amen every time you hear Kaddish, one time a day though, have Kavanah. Wow. What is Yehei that Hashem's name should be glorified throughout this world and all of the other worlds. That's it. Imagine. Take it very small. and, and What is it? it? Own it. Own it. It means sit down with a siddur, art scroll, whatever translation you want. Read the words. What are the words? You know, many people. I, had a, I got a phone call from a student of mine. He says to me, Rabbi, you know, my dad passed away. Thank you for coming to the Levaya, to the funeral. And thank you for coming to the Shiva. He says, I'm going to start going to synagogue now. And I want to learn the Mincha prayer, the Mincha services. Can you teach it to me? So I sat with him at the Torch Center in Houston. And we went through the, the prayers. And I recorded for him the entire prayer. And then he listened to it and we reviewed it a few times and then he was confident enough and he started doing it for many months of the 11 months that he was observing the uh, yard site for his father for the first year of Avilut he, he, did the, uh, he, he was the chazan in his uh, congregation and okay the other con- now, now he's done now what? Mm. so he's done he's done yeah. let me take off and, and <laughs> goodbye it's like it, that, that's, not, that's not the way it's supposed to be that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to continue. We, you took a step. Now grow with that step. Ugh. And take the next step. Do more. D- do a little, something small. But one of the things I was saying to him is like, it's more important than, than Chazarat Hashat's re- repetition of the Chazan. More important than that is to understand the Kaddish. It, I think it's really important for people to understand. When we say Kaddish, Kaddish is one of the most important parts of our prayer. We say it multiple times. Read the words. Understand what those words are. It's like, oh, why? Powerful words. Wow. Right? Yitkadel, v'yitkadesh, shmerabah. Your name should grow. What does that mean? That means that where we are today, where we're, things that we're doing, to have Hashem involved with it. It's not just like, oh, I have to go, I'm hungry, I'm this and that. Hashem, please feed me. 
Hashem, I want to eat so that I can connect with you. It means have a real relationship, relationship with Hashem, not just like it's a concept that every once in a while we'll sing a thank you Hashem song and it's great. And I love that. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. One of my favorites. Hmm. But it's that not what it's about. It's not the only thing. It's to feel a real connection with it. And I think if we can just take one, one thing before Yom Kippur, before Rosh Hashanah, to have that one thing, even if it's just a to understand what it is that we're saying one time a day, it's transformative. And then slowly but surely you add to it. So, you know, I always tell people, my, my students, I tell them, you have to have a rabbi. And it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be... You have to have a rabbi. Very important. Definitely. Those of you here at Chazak, <laughs> you have a rabbi. You have a rabbi. And, and, and you know what? It's an amazing thing. I have a rabbi I speak to every week in Israel. And I have a few minutes to ask a few questions. I have to call at the second that it's my slot. to, And if I miss it, it's like, ah, I missed out, right? You know what's an amazing thing? He never called me once. Never called me once. You know what? Your rabbi is not, his job is not to call you. <laughs> Your job is to call the rabbi. You want a rabbi? You're going to have to run after him. And you're going to have to pursue him. And you're going to have to try time. Oh, I tried. I can't, I can't get through. He's too busy. Even try hard enough. Be persistent. You can't let go. It's your obligation. Make him for you a rabbi. Part of that journey is never stopping. I had someone once tell me, he says, eh. look, for you it's easy because you have all these rabbis. You can just call them. I'm like, no, no, no. I worked hard to make them. I said, you know what? Tell me which rabbi you want and I'll get you an appointment with him every week. This is impossible. I said, tell me which rabbi. He told me which rabbi. I said, no problem. I went over to the rabbi. I said, look, you have a secret admirer. He really wants to learn with you. He wants to connect with you. I said, when do you have even 10, 15, 20 minutes a week that you can dedicate to him? He has unbelievable, very promising future. He says, you know what? I have on Friday at 10.45 to 11.30, I walk from my lecture that I give in this in this location in Yerushalayim to my house. So... At 10.45, he should be at this location. He has me for 45 minutes. Wow. Every week. How many times do you think this complainer went? <laughs> How many times do you think he went? Not once. It's very easy for people to complain. But you know what? When that same rabbi told me that he had on Shabbos afternoon, at a very inconvenient time for me, he had an hour to learn with me every week. I was there every single week. I'm not anything special. But to me, it was very important to have a rabbi. And if it's important for you to have a rabbi, you're going to have to run after the rabbi. And you know, it's not always going to be convenient. It's not easy. By the way, when I call my rabbi in Israel, it's very late at night for me. Yeah, I can imagine. It's inconvenient, but that's the time that works for him. I'm going to work around his schedule. So don't expect, don't say, hey, rabbi doesn't call me. He doesn't wish me happy birthday. So he's not. (laughs) No, no, no. You have to go and run after your rabbi and and pursue him so that he becomes a selecha, Rav. But he's he's not going to run after you. Rabbi, things that are coming out of the heart are entering the heart. Very, very inspiring words. 100% true. People might be listening and uh, hearing uh, the importance of growing and the importance of having a rabbi. And uh, they're struggling to grow. It's hard for them. You know, they want to, but it's hard. Any tips, any advice you can give so to the individuals? First is welcome to the club. Okay, because <laughs> we're all struggling. Struggling means you're alive. You know, I, I saw a bumper sticker in Houston. I was driving. I saw a bumper sticker. It was... It was 
transformative. <laughs> it was very simple. It was a picture of grass from a side view. And it said on top of the grass, it said good. On the bottom of the grass, it said bad. Meaning if you're on top of the grass, you're good. You're, all, you're good. Wow. Right? If you're below the grass, yeah. it's, it's no good, right? It's like you're, you're six feet under. Yep, six feet under. Living people have struggles. If you look at an EKG, it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. Guess what? That's life. That's life. That means you're alive. If you didn't have any problems, if you had a flat line, you're dead. Dead. Wow. Dead people have no problems. They have no bills to pay. They have no worries. They don't get insulted and they don't get offended. They don't have no issues. They're dead. If you want to stay alive, living live. people have challenges. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Right? What do we, what do we, we daven for? We say this in Tehilim. We say this especially Suda Shlishit. Ach tov Such an amazing thing. We, we ask for only tov v'chesed yudafuni. Why? Because if it's not that, other things yudafuni. There are other things running after you. So we ask Hashem. Something's going to be running after me. Something is going to be driving me nuts. Let it be good. Let it be chesed. Let it be kindness. You know, we we don't want to have illness. We don't want to have challenges. We don't want to have problems. But living people have issues constantly. And that's the life on this earth. Nobody, you could be looking out there and you could say, look, if I wish I had, you know, right? We're dealing with lottery tickets. Everyone's talking about the lottery. You know, there's recently a $1.2 billion lottery. If only I won that lottery, everybody tells me, all my students, like, oh, Rabbi, just, if I made that, if I won that ticket, wouldn't be any issues. That's why you're not winning it. Hashem crafts a personal challenge for every single person. For one person, it's in this area. For one person, it's in that area. For this one, it's a, it's a spouse. He needs to, they need to work on the midot. For another one, it's their child. They need to work on giving more. They're, every single person has their child. There's nobody out there. There's nobody out there on planet Earth that doesn't have a challenge. Everybody's got challenges. That means that you're alive. Oh. You go to the cemetery, nobody's got problems there, <laughs> right? Nobody has problems. It's all, all, all done. I'm not trying to be morbid, and I'm not trying to, you know, to... to, to no, but it's important that they understand that it's normal. It's great. It's, it's great. Being alive. Embrace your problems. So how do we, how does one deal with the problems? So it should be a mindset. Maybe. 100%. You have Positivity. to look at them as these are handcrafted by the Almighty for me to grow. That's right. Come better. You know, the word, uh, we see this in, in, in all the parshiot that talk about elevating, right? right? A ness, we know, is a miracle, but it also means a flag, a banner. To elevate, to challenge. The word nisayon is also from the same root of ness. Challenges is what makes you grow. Wow. And if you don't have challenges, you're not in growth mode. It's like uh, exercising. That's right. It's never going to be easy. You know what? Tell me one person who ran the 26.2 mile marathon and had an easy time. No, it takes a lot of hard work. And if you're facing a challenge, that means you're in growth mode. It's a good thing. Wow. Embrace those challenges because this is you. This is what Hashem crafted for you. And Hashem custom creates every one of our challenges. Because as soon as you're done and you overcome that challenge, Mazal Tov. Next challenge is on Twitter. I, I, like, I had a class for a bunch of youngsters. One of the guys was playing Tetris. I'm like, that's what life is all about. 
They're like, well, what are you talking about? I'm like, very simple. Once you win, you clear the lines, a new, new, new challenge. New comes. challenge. That's right. You continue growing. You continue you know growing. What? You work on, you work on, on, uh, on a specific trait. My great grandfather, Avram Grzynski, the Torah Avram, unbelievable man. He was the Mashgiach in Slabatka. The, the altar of Slabatka said that he is the fruit of his labor. He's just him. Uh-huh. Okay, unbelievable. He was a brother in law, by the way. Of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Oh, wow. They both married Heller's sisters. Rabbi Tzvi Heller was their father. Was their father-in-law? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was my grandmother's father. Rabbi Shlomo will be married. Rivka Grzynski, my, my my and my daughter is named after her. My son is named after my grandfather. I was telling the rabbi before we were on air about the yichus, and you said something very powerful about the zeros. If we could share it with all of us again, I I, I, I said it's not my chiddush, <laughs> it's not my it's not my thought, but it's the the idea is that. Lineage and 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 having a a, a an illustrious uh, uh, heritage parents, of parents, parents grandparents of being such righteous holy people. It's a bunch of zeros. If you don't put a number in front of it, it's worth it's worthless. So uh, that's my goal. My goal in life is to hopefully put a number, even a small number, but something in front of those zeros. And, and that, the work that the rabbis doing, you definitely have very trying. It's every day. It's you know everyone's got their challenges. You know that's it. Keep on plugging away. But you know, very very inspiring. What you know, very very uplifting. And we got to continue growing. You never stop growing. Continue pushing. And every time you pass a certain challenge, you go on to the, the next, next one. The next, next one. one, one bigger and better. So I, was, I was telling you about my great grandfather. Yes, he worked on one midah. Of he'arat panim, of countenance, of greeting every person with a smile. Sever panim yafot. Sever panim yafot. He worked on that one midah for over two years. Wow. Two years. Can you imagine? Two one years? Thing. What's the big deal? Just greet everybody with a smile. You know, in every situation, imagine Erev Shabbat. There's chaos in the house. No, There's yeah. all things. So and your happen. neighbor comes and says, I need two eggs. Like, really? Now two eggs? Yeah. You're building your sukkah. And it's like you have all of the pressures of, the, you know, got to get everything ready before sukkot. And the neighbor comes, do you have a ladder? And the, the, the neighbor's child comes and is asking you 30 questions. Like, kid, can you go home already? You're like, <laughs> in every situation, recognize Sever Imagine how much hard work that is. Imagine how many days he's felt like, you know what? Today was a good day. Today I greeted every person with a smile. And someone immediately walks in and says, can you stop disturbing me? <laughs> Another day, I got to do it. Two years till he attained perfection in that trait. Wow. Imagine if we worked so systematically. On our traits, to be more kind, to be more loving, to be more attentive today with cell phones. It's a big problem. You know, people are like, what? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> and it's like people don't, it, it's, it's a big problem. We have to realize that this is life. Life is crafted for challenges that we need to overcome. Powerful. And that's, that's, that's our, our goal. Our, our hope and our mission in life is to really just keep on Growing every single day, embrace the challenges. Being Benalia, always growing, amazing. Rabbi, no, I'll tell you just yeah, a quick thing. You said Benalia, it reminds me. Why do we call a scholar a Talmid Chacham? We should call him a Chacham. Are you right? Instead, we call, call, call him a disciple. Chacham. Right, right, right. 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 <laughs> you know, how many people do we call Chacham? It's like he has to be a real master, right? But the, you know, the, the student of, a, of a, a wise one. Because a, someone who's a real wise man is always a student of wisdom. 
He's always yearning to understand Who learned from every situation, learned from every, every circumstance. Rabbi Arya, wall, not A, wall B. <laughs> amazing inspiration, amazing chizuk. I personally am enjoying every second of it. It's unbelievable. I'm sure everyone else is as well. We have a mean hag, a custom and Torah talks. A final message for our proud audience. So I, I think it's. I think we talked about it the whole time, and that that is, we all need to relate personally to the Almighty, <laughs> without platitudes. Don't try to mimic anybody else. Don't try to be another rabbi, and don't try to be another this and it. be you. There's only one you. <laughs> only one you. There will never be a replica of you. And if a person can just be the, the, the me that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted us to be, not to be like the other guy, not to be like the other gal, and like to be the, you. Hashem gave you certain circumstances. Even if you think of two brothers or two sisters who grew up in the same exact home, twins, right? how identical are they? We know that any you find a set of twins, I'll show you how different they are. This one likes blue, this one likes green, this one likes this, and the chocolate, this one likes vanilla. They don't like anything the same. They don't dress the same, they don't look, they don't, they don't think the same. But the twins, they're the, the closest you can possibly get of two species, right, is identical twins. And yet they're worlds apart. Because every individual is unique. Your parents, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, your friends, your life experiences are you. This is what crafts you. Everybody wants to be him. I want to be him. I want to be that. It's like this whole thing with fashion. I, 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 I don't like shopping ever. Tell my wife, whatever you want, however you do, whatever you want. I, yeah, I don't want. But there's, there's this concept. One of my students introduced me. It's called window shopping. Window shopping. You know what window shopping is? No. Window shopping. They go to the mall and they just look. They just look. I said, you know what you're doing to yourself? Lotachmod. The Tenth Commandment. Don't be, don't be jealous. Because you're looking and you're like... And then I said, I said to my students, I said, how many times do you go back two days later and then buy the thing that you liked, that you saw? Like, oh, always. You always go back after. Like, you see what you're doing? You're just adding yourself. You know what? If I wear that, then I'll be happy. If I wear that, then I'll smile like that person. If I wear that, if I do this, I go to this vacation, I do this. I... People are constantly in a world that's selling us. Every advertisement is like... Buy this product because then, then nothing. You're still going to be you. You have to, every one of us needs to realize that we are a unique specimen in this world. Kadosh Baruch Hu created us exactly the way he wanted us to be. If he didn't want us, he wouldn't create us. If he didn't want us to do great things today, he wouldn't keep us on this earth today. But he thinks that we are capable. That's why we're alive. Hashem is our biggest investor. He gives us unbelievable free, free, free ox. I, I was once at a conference, went to a, one of these weekend Shabbatons. And, you know, f- Friday afternoon, they have this big spread that is wow. off. <laughs> it's amazing. I was standing there with friends and I was like, how are you doing? I haven't seen you. I came in from, from Texas to, you know, to be here in the tri-state. And it was like, it was a great, great Shabbaton. But as I'm standing over there, we're eating the kugel and cholent and everything. <laughs> I see a guy getting pushed in on a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And he's hooked up with an oxygen. And behind him is an entire crate of oxygen tanks that he's going to need for the entire Shabbat. Wow. And it suddenly hit me. I said, do you know something? Were you ever grateful for the air you breathe? For the lungs? The oxygen? I never had to wear a tank on my back. 
Hashem gave it to me free. Wow. For what? Because He loves me. I, I never had to think of how am I going to how am I going to inhale oxygen? How am I going to you know how am I going to how am I going to do that? I never needed the tanks. All those tanks had to for Shabbat he had to come in with an entire crate of of, of oxygen tanks. Wow. You never had to think of that. You realize how blessed we are? And those who do have those challenges, they're, they're on the highest level possible. Hashem wants them for a specific task in this world. Unbelievable. On much higher levels. It's unbelievable. The life we live is an opportunity every single day to elevate ourselves, to connect more, and never look at a challenge as being something which is like, oh, Hashem hates me. I had people tell me, oh, Hashem hates me because if he didn't hate me, he would never give me this challenge. I'm like, he loves you so much, that's why he gave it to you. Exactly. Because he knows only you can handle it. You could grow from it. Exactly. Rabbi Arya Walby, powerful words. Never stop growing. That's the message. Every single one of us, especially in this time period that we're in, Every single one of us have to work on ourselves. And to go up the ladder. Up the ladder. And if, you know what? If I, can, if I can just share, Baruch Hashem, our organization, Torch, produces now has the pod- 15 podcast yeah. shows. Baruch Hashem. All of them, I hope, high quality Torah content. <laughs> you can search them on all the platforms. On the website. Uh, you can go to torchpodcast.com. Torchpodcast.com. Check it and, out. And enjoy and the rabbit. It's plural. Podcasts. Podcasts with an S. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can see all of them. We're on, on Apple, on Google, on Spotify, and all the on 24-6 app. And Bezat Hashem is soon on all the other uh, Jewish uh, apps. Uh, Bezat Hashem, they'll be there as well. Rabbi Arya, you're an inspiration. No, it's an honor. It's a privilege to be here. You're the inspiration. We really appreciate it. And the rabbi gave us so much advice on how to take things to the next level to spread more Torah. And we want to thank the rabbi. We want to thank all of our viewers. We want to give a shout out to Yechiel for introducing the rabbi to us. Cooperstein, great guy. Great guy, Cooperstein. And uh, we want to thank all of you for joining us every single Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Chazak Torah Talks with special guests. Baruch Hashem, we're getting tremendous feedback. But Bezat Hashem thinks that the rabbi's advice are going to get much more people. And anybody who wants to come visit us in Houston, please open doors. Uh, open I'm, doors. I'm going to work on the, on the offer, Blimebe, to come check out there. We look forward. We look forward. Chazak Baruch. your great work. We are there. Please spread the word. Until next time, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.